Hello there. You're listening to The Box Office Show. I'm Ryan Hill. And I'm Dylan Johnson. Today we're going to be talking about the box office numbers from last week and our box office predictions for this upcoming weekend. We're also going to be giving our thoughts on the WandaVision miniseries, which just had its series finale on March 5th, this past Friday, on Disney+. Plus. start off with of course the news which is pretty light compared to last time but here's something fun that happened if you were to have gone onto hbo max and navigated to tom and jerry for whatever reason you would have seen a sneak peek of the justice league snyder cut because it accidentally leaked for a good like two-ish hours the other day and some people were able to start watching it, which I don't understand how, for one of the most hyped events <laughs> ever in film history, a crazy milestone, the Snyder Cut, and then it gets partially leaked through Tom and Jerry. I mean, that's just, that's insane. What a headline. It's funny. It's like when theaters... They're doing a kids' movie and they actually show a horror movie. Oh, I it's know. hilarious. Yeah. So, yeah, that honestly, I wonder if that would have been a treat or even worse for people if the kids were hoping to see Tom and Jerry and then they get the Snyder Cut. If that'd be a treat or that'd bore them out of their minds. But either way, we will see on March, th- March 18th mm. when the Snyder Cut is actually supposed to come out. We Are will you see if it'll hold. Around? I mean, yeah, like I said, it's just because of the history behind it, all the fanfare that's gone into getting the Snyder Cut, release the Snyder Cut, all that. It'll Mm -hmm. just be fun to be finally getting to see it. Uh, Probably won't live up to the monumental hype. I'm interested to see how much they could have added because things were left on the cutting room floor. Mm -hmm. And then there were what it was like 30 million dollars worth of reshoots that they did so there's going to be that's a whole uh, movie in itself i know budget wise good for warner brothers for giving them that so there is going to be a lot of new stuff to look forward to but i mean the essence of the movie can't change right oh i have no idea i haven't seen it well yeah you so it'll be again interesting to see your first impressions of Mm -hmm. it but for me i mean yeah, I don't know if just the essential problems that bogged it down the first time around are really going to change all that much. But hey, I'm hoping that it will. That'd be awesome if it turns out to be a genuinely good movie. But we shall see. I mean, maybe there's been like a bunch of times where studios have forced directors to release their version, their cut of a movie, and then it's terrible and it bombs, and then they'll allow the director to sort of show off their version of the movie, show off their cut, and it's uh, critically praised, like Brazil or Once Upon a Time in America. They were both re-released as director's cuts that just did phenomenally better than the originals. So you never know. It could be better. 
That's true. Well, here's hoping. You Granted, I've heard I've out. heard the original Justice League is terrible, so it doesn't have to do much to be better, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> From what I've heard. It is a low bar, so it should, it will hopefully be better. We'll just see if it is better enough to finally reach the heights of a good film. I hope like, so. Me too. But again, we'll dedicate a whole show to that once it comes out. But moving on, we also had this past week in the Critics' Choice Awards for 2021 and Nomadland, continuing its run from the Golden Globes, picked up Best Picture, and Chloe Zhao picked up Best Director. So these, uh, so the movie and then Chloe Zhao are certainly going to be the frontrunners mm-hmm. for the Oscars season. Have you seen Nomadland yet, Ryan? No, not yet. It is still on Hulu. And well, I mean, you'll know when I watch it because I'm going to yeah, do a show on it. You have my Hulu. You also have my Hulu, don't you? I don't have your Hulu. Just my Netflix? Yes. <laughs> I appreciate that. I mean, if you didn't have, I mean, you're already mooching someone else's HBO mm-hmm. Max, but I think I have offered this is HBO true. Max. So. Oh, if I ever need it, I'll ask for it, yeah. Because uh, the for person sure, you sure. off of, they change their password all the time and we lose it. So who knows? But I'll, <laughs> I'll steal it from you one day, maybe. But yeah, you should watch No Man yeah. Everybody should watch No Man It's really good. It's on Hulu. You can watch it now. It's free if you have a Hulu subscription. You got to watch ads if you have the ads version. But it's good. Francis McDormand's great. That is no surprise. So yeah, I am looking forward to finally getting able to see it and then having a chat with you about it on the show. So that should be fun. Chadwick Boseman wins Best Actor. Again, that's not really a surprise. And we should see really, I mean, any award that he is up for through the Oscars, there's really no doubt that he'll be winning. Um, And it'll always be well-deserved. But a new... Best Actress winner. This is in contrast to what happened at the Golden Globes. We have Carrie Mulligan from Promising Young Woman. She won, and then the writer-director, Emerald Fennell, won the Best Original Screenplay. So Promising Young Woman didn't get recognized with any awards at the Golden Globes. Critics' Choice did show some love for that film. So we'll see how that continues to take shape with the rest of the awards that lead up to the Oscars. I'm excited for it. I'm glad that it won those two. Definitely deserved it. Mm-hmm. Dylan, you haven't yet watched it, but... No, that's the one I need to. to watch. Yeah. I want to yeah. go with our group of friends and run out of theater to watch it because, I mean, it's like 20 bucks to rent it on Amazon. I'd rather just get a group of us to go watch it in a theater for 10 bucks each. Exactly, to have the it's experience. Cheaper, it's better experience. Ah, sounds like so much fun. Well, it would be. I'll, iron our, I'll try and iron out the details before the Oscars so we can sneak it in and we can talk about it. For sure. That'll be another fun one to, to discuss. Mm-hmm. And now, in light of <laughs> the whole hoopla with the Oprah Winfrey interview, the royal family, Oof. back in the news, uh, they just got an idea for another season for the crown, which picked up even more awards, cleaned up the TV awards as did 
Ted Lasso in the comedy Woo. section. So good for those programs. You love to see it. Of course. Anyone who listened to the last episode of our show here knows that I love Ted Lasso with my whole heart. It's fantastic. I really like The Crown. I've only seen one and a half seasons of it, and I will pick it up soon because it's it's really good. My roommate really loves it, so I got to get back into that. But Ted Lasso is fantastic. I can't recommend it enough. Get a get a free trial to Apple TV. Go watch Ted Lasso for a week. Great, great week, great week. Highly recommend. All right, uh, all right. And next we have Steven Spielberg and the Duffer Brothers of Stranger Things fame are going to produce an an adaption of Stephen King's 1984 novel, The Talisman, and that's going to go to Netflix. And it's about a 12-year-old boy who travels across America and an alternate reality, because it's Stephen King, got a little fantastical element there, to save his dying Mm -hmm. mother via the thing called The Talisman. And Curtis Gwynn who was a producer on The Walking Dead and is now an executive producer on Stranger Things, is set to be the showrunner. So how do you feel about that, Dylan? Are you excited? This is this is yet another Stephen King property turning into a movie or a TV show that I've just not heard about until this point. <laughs> He's written so many books, and it's so hard to keep up with. Uh, I have no idea what The Talisman is or what it's about. I had no idea that it was a thing that he wrote it, but uh, it sounds like fun. The last thing I saw, the most recent Stephen King thing I saw, was um, the Outsider, the Outsider, the Outsider with Jason Bateman, and the first two episodes were great, great first two episodes, really got me into the show. I kept watching and just fell off my radar. It just got worse, it just got bad. Didn't want to watch it anymore. Gone. So I'm skeptical. So you did you about end up thousand? finishing it? No, I have no idea how it ends. No idea. <laughs> oh god! Yeah. Yikes! The first episode is phenomenal. Well, like it sets up everything, and I get super excited, and then it just dropped off. Well, that know. is a I tragedy. Mean, I mean, I might give the talisman a shot. I've never been a big Stephen King fan. Just a few properties like the shining i like uh uh what's the doctor sleep that just got made that was really good with mike flanagan um it was really good stand by me Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just those yeah i'm not a big fan of a lot of the other stephen king properties oh cujo things like the dark tower i didn't even see it um me neither (laughs) even though i had mcconaughey but uh yeah i was like eh. um so it should be interesting to see though the reason this one is exciting at least is it mm-hmm. is stephen king but it's also spielberg i mean yeah my man and then the duffer brothers so that should hopefully mean good things for this and apparently spielberg has been sitting on the rights to this book for decades like he bought mm-hmm. it way back Wow. Before it came out, I think I read that somewhere. Um, wow. The man is passionate about the story, and he's been trying to get it made ever since. I don't know what's been keeping him from it for so long, but finally, it is going to happen. So hopefully, it'll be 
well worth the wait. So we'll look forward to that and more news coming out from there. I'm I'm skeptical, but we'll see. I'm, I might give it a shot. I'm not sure. We'll see. Anyway, Paramount is tapping the Star Trek Discovery writer Kalinda Vasquez to work on a new Star Trek movie. Thoughts, Ryan? Thoughts? Well, thoughts on a new we'll Star see. Trek. Movie? I mean, I'd be down for it. We'll see if this actually gets made because they've been. I mean, Tarantino's been in the loop. They've had other people that they've said are Noah Hawley write the next is one. Supposed to write one or something. Exactly. Just all kinds of people. So who knows? Star Trek's all over the place. That's true, but given that this is a writer who's actually working with a current Star Trek property, it seems mm-hmm. more hopeful that this will turn into a real thing. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see if it'll try to continue the Star Trek Beyond story, or if it'll go down a different route with the Star Trek mythology, but Either way, I don't know. We'll see. And hopefully that'll be another thing that Paramount can promote since, you know, it just came out with the Paramount Plus as we talked about last week. So here's hoping it works for them. Were you a a fan of the reboot trilogy that they did? I mean, yeah, I liked it. I thought it was a good modern update to the... It still carried, I think, the core themes that you want to have in Star Trek but aided by J.J. Abrams' direction it was you know brought up to the modern era um, and so yeah I liked each of them actually even Star Trek Beyond which mm-hmm. I think for whatever reason wasn't as widely seen I don't know why even though I thought the quality of it was still just as good and yeah I, I liked all of them did you? Um, it was fun. I had a good time every time I went to the theaters. I liked Star Trek Into Darkness a lot when I first watched it, but not so much when I rewatched it. Uh, the first one's really good. I'm a big fan of the first one. It's cool. Uh, it's a good way to present the story. J.J. Abrams is cool. <laughs> Making that movie specifically. And then Beyond is just, I think, uh, just fun. I can't really describe it more than just being a fun ride. I wouldn't say it's substantial. I wouldn't say... I mean, I haven't seen it in a long time. But I wouldn't know if I would describe it as substantial or anything. But I I thought I had a good time. I'd be willing to see a new one, but I'm not, like, stoked or anything. Yeah. I mean, they were all enjoyable experiences. And I think think the cast for, Mm -hmm. right, this new updated cast that they had, Mm -hmm. Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto... Um, they were all great and I enjoyed seeing them so I'd love to see them continue and I don't know if like if they were to reboot and then recast these roles I think that would be a shame so ideally they can try to explore either this new part of the Star Trek lore or try to find some way to continue with um the characters that we already have established in the new modern trilogy. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that, how that develops. Now for the box office breakdown for the weekend of March 5th, 2021 last week, Dylan, during our predictions, we made a bet about Raya and the last dragon. 
Mm -hmm. And I, foolishly, thought that it would break the 20 mil barrier. Truly foolish. Instead, what actually mm -hmm. happened was it just inched across the 8 mil barrier. Abysmal. Terrible, <laughs> Not only am I shocked, but I'm sure all the Disney, all the all the Mickey Mouse peeps are upset as well. And they're trying to figure out why this happened. Why did it get <laughs> less than Tom and Jerry from last weekend? So here's, I'm going to throw out some, some factors for you. And then we're going to mm -hmm. see if we can understand why this is grossing so poorly. Throw those so it opened in. There. Say what? Throw those factors out there. Do it, Ryan. Get oh, it I'm there. doing it. Doing it right yeah. now. Two thousand theaters. It opened in two thousand theaters. Uh, Tom and Jerry was twenty five hundred. Mm -hmm. So maybe something there, but five hundred. You think that wouldn't create a difference of what six million? That is, you know, Tom and Jerry got fourteen million. Seems like a stretch, right? Uh, and something in Ryan Last Dragon's favor was that New York theaters opened, albeit it was at limited capacity, but New York is supposed to be, in addition to L.A., one of the big places where all those theaters are and the movie-going populace is. So you think that would have given it some help that Tom mm -hmm. and Jerry didn't have, but didn't seem to be the case. Nope. So what is happening here is it covid people really aren't feeling more comfortable going out is it that families are doing the 30 dollar premiere access at home was it lack of marketing is it because it's not a musical why is it that a disney property with 96 percent mm -hmm. rotten tomato score yeah original animation got less than tom and jerry make it make sense how did it happen dylan now, what I do know is this. Per our last episode, I am due $1. Okay, <laughs> that's what you were concerned about. Because <laughs> you said tape. $20 yes, million. So, that's fact number one. <laughs> okay, glad we got that figured out. That I was right. Sure, right. yeah. So, I mean, uh, it, 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 did a lot worse than I thought it would. I didn't think it would make twenty million, but I thought it would at least get to maybe fifteen million, fourteen or fifteen million. Mm -hmm. So I it's mean, the baseline child. expectation, right, mm -hmm. was that it would at least exceed Tom and Jerry, mm -hmm. but it did not. So Which that's what I mean. Didn't even break double digits. Tom and Jerry was on HBO Max for no additional cost. Which exactly. is what's interesting. So you think less people would go to the theaters and more people would just get a free trial of HBO Max or just pay for HBO Max and watch there. Ryan the Last Dragon was $30 on Disney Plus or you could go and it's probably a $10 ticket at a theater, 10 12 maybe a little more if you're going with a group. You would think people would, more people mm -hmm. would stay at home for Tom and Jerry than people would for Ryan the Last Dragon. So that's another kind of hit against which is abysmal now another factor here is that unfortunately 
with the COVID-19 epidemic, there has been an exponential rise in anti-Asian hate crimes. And that could definitely play a factor into Rey and the Last Dragon's performance. Now, is this this is just this is just national box office, right? Not international. This is true. Yes. Okay. Well, I could Ryan the Last Dragon worldwide because it did. Mm -hmm. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you uh, you go. My information is it did open. (laughs) It did open in other countries. Yeah. But it also wasn't a stellar gross. It got twenty six million worldwide. So mm-hmm. also not a glowing performance overseas. No. What did do you know what Tom and Jerry did its first week internationally? Tom and Jerry, I f- believe. Let me see. Uh, I think it got 23 million worldwide that mm-hmm. opening. Okay, well, see, now you're starting to close the gap a little. Now they're starting to get more similar to how much they made when you factor in these international numbers. And even so, Ryan made a little more internationally overall. So there's something about uh, America specifically where they would either rather pay 30 bucks and watch a Disney Plus, maybe more. Americans have Disney Plus than HBO Max could be a factor. Uh, and they're more willing to pay 30 bucks than risk going to a theater and pay 50 to take the whole family would make more sense. And then the people who have HBO Max or didn't want to get HBO Max, there's less people getting HBO Max, so they have to go to the theater. Because I know Disney Plus performs better than HBO Max, correct? Disney Plus for sure then that's probably a factor is more people are on Disney plus. So less people are going to the theater for Raya and the last yeah. dragon. I believe that something recently just came out of where Disney plus has something like a hundred million subscribers, something like that, which is drastically more than Bonkers. that's crazy. Yeah. It's max. I think is certainly increasing based on their, their scheme of, doing the dual release in theaters and on HBO Max. But yeah, it's still lagging way behind mm-hmm. Disney Plus, which yeah, I mean that is a big amount. So it is possible that but again the thirty mil or thirty dollar premiere access you would think would be stopping people from doing it. But mm-hmm. yeah, and we're never gonna get those numbers. Disney's not gonna release how many people unless it's like truly incredible and then they just want to flex on us but if it's anything other than that then they're never going to release how many people purchased premiere access yeah and if they did i would bet you anything that's where you would see your big uh box office performances i'm sure there's so many people who rented it for 30 bucks because even if I'm sure more people are willing to watch Tom and Jerry and HBO Max for no additional cost than there are people, like percentage-wise, compared to the total population of people who have HBO Max than there are people who have Disney Plus and are willing to pay to watch Ray and the Last Dragon. But there's so many people at Disney Plus 
that when you factor in that that amount of when you take out those amount of people who won't go see Ray and the Last Dragon in theater and won't pay the extra thirty bucks like you and I, you still have it's just a huge chunk of the population who is willing to pay thirty bucks to watch Ray and the Last Dragon. A huge chunk of that one hundred million subscribers. So if they they'll, they'll never release the numbers, but if somehow you could find your way into getting those numbers there, you'll see that huge box office performance that we're missing is right there. And they're $30 for Ray and the Last Dragon. So I'm sure they are not super disappointed with the box office performance. I'm sure they are disappointed overall because it's still pretty low, even for COVID times, mm-hmm. for a pick for, for a Disney movie. So I'm sure they're still upset. But when you look at those secret numbers that we don't have access to that are probably in the tens 20 30 million dollars for 30 bucks a person there you go right so yeah we'll have to see in the coming weeks if i don't know maybe it'll have legs like crudes 2 did and more people just Mm -hmm. start rolling out to the theaters to watch it who knows but tom and jerry this week got 6.6 million so not yeah a terrible drop it now has 57 million cumulative worldwide. So that's very yeah. pretty well. And then again, all those HBO Max numbers that we'll never know. But we'll have to see how these two do. Chaos Walking got 3.8 mil. So that Much one. lower than you predicted. Yes. I really thought Tom Holland had more fans that would be going out to the theaters. I guess not. If it was like, a Spider-Man movie, maybe or Cherry, but not Chaos Walking, not not I would think. Which is sad because it, it's such an interesting premise. Yeah, what a what a pitiful ending to such a tumultuous journey for that movie. Years in development hell, like ten something writers, like five different directors attached to direct it. Years of not being made, different talent going in and out. Eventually, it gets made over two, two and a half year process of just trying to get people to show up to make it. I think it's released in the middle the of the pandemic. Yeah. And nobody sees it. Wow. It's, I just, I'm convinced it was not meant to be seen. So I'm never going to watch it. <laughs> Dang. I think definitely they were like, that's it. We're just going to drop it in the pandemic. They've been holding on to it for that long. They've been trying to get it made for so long. They're like, ah, it's cursed. Just let it go. Just release it. Absolutely cursed. Oh, well. Say la vie. (laughs) This is true. Boogie got 1.2 million. That is an indie film about an Asian basketball star. And... So, I mean, I guess, I don't know, based on COVID and based on the fact that it is an indie, I don't know Mm. where we would place this 1.2 million, if that's good for them or not. But it got more than Crude's 2, which didn't break the 1 million barrier. Finally, in its, what, 15th week fell below. So that had a nice run. But again, a overall pretty poor weekend at the box office. Still, it seems like there is a lot 
of progress left to be made in terms of mm-hmm. people feeling safe about going to the to the movie theaters. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of work that needs to be done. There needs to be more. I mean, just in general, there needs to be more uh, uh, vaccine production and dispersal. But I'm assuming as as time goes on, definitely at this point, with more vaccines getting out there, our box office numbers are going to start going up again. Especially with some more big budget movies coming out, like Black Widow, this going to come out soon, and some other ones. Uh, Godzilla vs. Kong is going to be in theaters soon, so people are going to start going and seeing these movies. So I hope we'll get some bigger numbers soon. But what we're going to be looking at, there's no big movies releasing this weekend specifically, so what we're going to be watching is the competition between Tom and Jerry and Ray and the Last Dragon to see which one kind of comes out on top. Right now, Ray and the Last Dragon is hovering over, and I think if I'm a betting man, I think Ray and the Last Dragon is still going to be on top by the time we get to next weekend for this weekend. So just because it's Disney, Tom and Jerry's been out for a long time. Uh, I just I think Tom and Jerry's reached a point where it's at a half life each week, so I think it's going to drop all the way to three, three and a half million next week, and I don't think Ray is going to have that big of a drop. Maybe like. It'll get down to like five million for this weekend. Still, more people are probably gonna pay to see it on Disney Plus. Gotcha. I think honestly, those predictions. I'll go. I'll go a little higher. I'll be optimistic. I think let's say Raya will have a good hold, six mil, and Tom and Jerry. I do think that'll it'll have a three in the front of it. Um, ideally, it will. It may fall below. Mm-hmm. three mil but i think it'll hover around that range so we'll see which one comes out on top and yeah like you said no big movies are releasing which maybe that was another factor given the the fact that wandavision sort of dominated this past weekend maybe it wasn't the smartest mm-hmm. for chaos walking and raya to open that weekend maybe one of them should have moved up to this upcoming weekend perhaps but yeah we will we will see how Ryan, Tom, and Jerry, their little feud, ends up next week. All right. Now on to our main topic of discussion for today is the hit Disney Plus show, WandaVision, that just finished out last Friday. Uh, what was it, March 5th? Mm-hmm. So what is WandaVision? Explain to me, Dylan. What is that? So, for those of you who have been living under a rock for the past twelve years <laughs> and don't know what the MCU is, you, you, everyone else who has knows the MCU probably understands what WandaVision is. But basically, there's a character Wanda Maximoff. She is a she's the Scarlet Witch, which is a person who has telekinetic powers. Uh, for the longest time in the MCU, she could shoot red stuff. That was her basically her big power and mind control. And now they're giving her her own TV show with the character Vision, and they're giving her more of her comic book powers, which is great. And they finally named her in the MCU as Scarlet Witch. And so basically what it is is they're trying to do this sort of, I don't want to say experimental narrative, because that's not right. But like, it's experimental for MCU, I guess. They're, They're taking Wanda and Vision, and they're putting them in television episodes throughout the decade so the first episode is the 50s the second episode is the 60s and 70s and 80s the 90s all while telling a story on the side that's going on at the same time basically wanda has created a hex 
around this town. Uh, we'll, we'll stop here and just say this will have spoilers for the whole WandaVision show. So if you haven't seen WandaVision yet, this might not be the best thing to listen to. Go watch it and then come back and listen because we're just going to spoil the whole show while we talk. But basically, getting back into it, Wanda has created a hex around a... Wanda has created a hex around a town called Westview. And we're not sure why at the beginning of the series. And basically, she's creating this broadcast that is showing her and Vision living their perfect ideal life through television as she perceives it. So it's sort of fun, sort of confusing. I always like the trope of uh, characters don't know what's going on and neither do we. And we're learning things as they're learning things. That's always great. And like people around them know things and we don't. That's always fun. Um, A lot of side characters from different MCU movies kind of made appearances again. Monica Rambeau, who's in Captain Marvel as a child, is back as Monica Rambeau, played by Teyana Paris. Uh, Darcy Lewis is back from the Thor first two Thor movies. Kat Dennings plays Darcy and Jimmy Woo played by Randall Park is back from the Ant-Man movies and hopefully might be getting his own show. Maybe should be fun based on his comic book character. And we have some new characters. Uh, Agnes, who is sort of one of the TV characters inside the hex who shows up every once in a while. That's Catherine Hahn. And the director of S.W.O.R.D., which is, God, I can't remember the acronym, but it's 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 kind of like S.H.I.E.L.D., like the opposite <laughs> of S.H.I.E.L.D. They're, they're about interplanetary Do you remember S.H.I.E.L.D.'s acronym? No, not at all. I should. Yeah, then I don't know why you I know the I know the, the Dean S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm pretty sure the Dean S.H.I.E.L.D. It depends. That's a guess. But the director of uh, S.W.O.R.D. is uh, Tyler, Taylor? Tyler, Tyler Hayward, Tyler Hayward, director Hayward, and that's Josh Stanberg. I thought it was, yeah, just say director Hayward. <laughs> mm. um, I can remember. Yes, and then of course Wanda Max, who cares? He's a schmuck anyway. We don't need to know his first mm-hmm. name. He doesn't get the luxury. Uh, and of course Wanda Maximoff, played by Elizabeth Olsen, and Vision, played by Paul Bettany. So a nice cast that we have here. And a beautiful little rendition of the premise of WandaVision that you gave. But finally, this past Friday, we got all the answers. There's still some lingering questions. But we did finally understand what is going on. So with the series finale in particular, we'll just start out with that and then move towards our thoughts on the series as a whole. But with this final episode, episode 9, what were your thoughts about it do you feel like it stuck the landing was it satisfying for you or Uh, leave you wanting more i wouldn't say wanting more i would i know a lot of people are fans of wandavision but i would say i'm a little disappointed to say not even Mm -hmm. because of the uh the fan theories that didn't get fulfilled which is disappointing in itself i like prepared myself i was like it probably none of these things will probably happen I'm just going to get a nice conclusion to Wanda and Vision's story uh, and, like the, and then sets up more of Wanda's story later throughout and I'm okay with that. That'd be fine. And we get to the, the series finale and I mean, it did its best. 
<laughs> it did its I, best. So what it was me through it. What was your gripes with that final one? Um apart from cuz there's the obvious disappointment of the potential it could have had with the fan theories. Apart from that cuz that's a whole thing which I'm not even going I'm not even going to factor that cuz that's on us as fans for hyping it up too much in our own minds and being let down right. by that. Were you factor that? Right. Were you doing were cuz you watched it weekly. I did yeah. not. Um so when you watched it weekly were you participating in all those fan theories and looking at what everyone was spotting as the clues week to week you were Absolutely. in that crowd yeah i oh, see yeah. so i think that certainly plays a role because for me i was avoiding all sorts of spoilers for all the first eight weeks so mm-hmm. i never got any of those week to week theories and then even the like final ooh, what was gonna happen in the final episode i didn't even pay attention to anything for that so i went in with a different set of expectations, I think, which certainly factors into whether or not I felt the same disappointment as other people did, which I didn't. So I thought that was an interesting um, sort of thing that happened. Everyone sort of was really, really creating an incredible version of Mm -hmm. WandaVision in their heads and coming together and throwing these different theories out. So... Yeah, I can see how that would create sort of an anticlimactic conclusion once you see the real version here wasn't as amazing as what everyone else was coming up with together. I think for me, mostly, with the disappointment, it was just, I don't know, they put all these pieces like a a chessboard. They set it up exactly how they wanted to set it up, and... It had us just staring at this chessboard for eight episodes, and they didn't make a move. They just showed us more of the pieces, showed us more of where the pieces were. And then they finally made their move in, like, the finale, just to, like, just to just, like, finish it. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Uh, (laughs) I set up this whole metaphor, and I don't really know where I'm going with this. But... You didn't think ahead to the end game. I didn't though. think ahead. I that didn't. was your first mistake. <laughs> it's hard to put into words. My disappointment. Uh, I liked I liked Vision's goodbye, and I liked her goodbye with her kids, and how her she's coming to terms with the fact that they're extensions of her memories and of her feelings. And I liked her goodbye, and I liked. I thought the verbal debate between Vision and White Vision was okay. I felt like it was a little... You thought it was okay? Yeah. It was just well, a little... Come? Just watching... Anytime there's like a verbal debate between two characters and they use like a, a very popular... Uh, what's it called? Mind exercise. Like Theseus' ship or Occam's yeah. Razor. Thought experiments. Things like that. It's, it just feels like the people who wrote... Who are writing these things just like... Google thought experiments and then just copied and pasted. And I would rather, I would rather just more original thought experience be created than just reusing old ones, I guess. I don't know. It just did not feel like the best dialogue, which is kind of a theme of the overall show because it's not the best dialogue, but it felt a little particularly weak in the, in the final episode. 
I was also, I will say, I was a little disappointed with Agatha, how Agatha turned out. If this makes any sense, Catherine Hahn gave like a great performance as Agnes, just a neighbor who showed up once an episode and was funny. Like she was fantastic. And then it was revealed mm-hmm. she was Agatha in the last two episodes where she's just Agatha, not Agnes. It was just okay. The dialogue was a little strange. Her performance was a little off. Something was just weird about it. I don't know. Right. I can agree with that. It definitely felt like an over-the-top sort of, I mean, compared to the rest of what she was doing, I guess. Um, it was always over-the-top in the sitcom realm, but that fit for what was going on there. Mm-hmm. Since we pulled back the veil and we were actually having her be the villain, it did seem excessively campy mm-hmm. for some reason. Uh, so I agree that that the dialogue as well, but then also decisions with her performance were feeling off in that final couple episodes. But I like, in theory, the what they did with the character there. And in the previous episode, episode eight, bringing Wanda down into the witch dungeon and then trying to scour through Wanda's mind to see how is she doing this where is the power coming from I enjoyed that part of it um, mm. but I see what you're saying there with Catherine Hahn's Agatha character as opposed to Agnes with the white vision versus hex vision I like that they ended up doing the the resolution to their battle being some sort of logical thought experiment, even mm. though it was cool to see them doing the phasing when they were fist fighting, but it made sense for the character of vision, of vision for it to be a more mind-based sort of resolution. Uh, I think, I don't know, it may be asking too much for people to generate thought experiments or at least go out of their way to avoid using a an applicable thought experiment like i think the ship of theseus was like yes it's one of those things where like most people know it um oh oh i remember i remember what i was gonna say oh about what it's a chessboard <laughs> yeah it's a chessboard and they're showing us these pieces one at a time just slowly and they're put they're like all set out intricately to play a full game like already set out and then they finally show us the last piece and we know everything and then they don't do anything with these pieces. Like nothing happens. Nothing new happens, which is fine. But then nothing develops with the pieces that they've set out, which is a little disappointing is what I was trying to say. I remember. Interesting. I will try to counter that by saying, yes, things happen. <laughs> Monica, right? We see her powers develop here with the superpowered kids when she went to go save them, which... Two things about that. Number one, director Hayward, I mean, yeah, he's like just the typical schmuck, not a very developed villain, but mm-hmm. okay, we can see that he's going to do these despicable things, but is he really going to shoot kids? I mean, that seems, I guess, yeah, he if does he not, believes they're not real. I don't know what his motivation is. They never told us that. That's what I'm like, saying. We, I'm, we, I was, they reveal that his big motivation is that he wants to reboot Vision as a weapon, and then... That's it. That, that was his. That was, that was his goal. And then his goal happens, and then he's still the same person. It's like you. What is happening? What is your new goal now? That you, yeah. Your other goal has been 
like presents it what is your new goal as the director of shield like what are you trying to do now that vision is back online what is the next step in your master plan there is no next step vision's back online right That's it. and then he loses white like white vision goes to do his directive and then just leaves and so he loses it so nothing yeah. works out he, he's just a bad villain i guess he's just, he really is just a that shocker. is true that didn't make sense uh and then number two with that so he shoots at the kids and goes in front Mm-hmm. I get, right, for framing purposes, the cinematography, right? It's cool to have the kids on either side and her in the middle as she's getting shot. But then yeah. who was he aiming at? He was shooting in the middle of the kids? Didn't make sense. Um, I didn't even think about so, that. I don't know. Yeah. That, was, that was just weird that I picked up on. Well, maybe he's just a bad shot. He shot like four times, though, and then each of them went into Monica. And he's then the other one He's just a really shot. bad shot. I <laughs> yeah. How did he become the director of Sword? So that, so okay, so that was one thing that happened. There's a chess piece that did captured something else on the other side. I don't know if we need mm-hmm. to continue with this. No, you can you can we'll cut the metaphor out. We'll yeah. do it. You started this white vision, right? Uh huh. He's the white pieces on the chessboard. Sure. He, <laughs> he, right? Obviously, something happened with him. That is one part that I am like, why did this occur? Hex Vision gives memories back to White Vision, which, okay. Part of what, I don't know, when did Hex Vision get all of his memories back? Because that was part of the thing, was he didn't remember everything, because he wasn't, like, he's Wanda's expression or manifestation of him. So technically, he wouldn't have all his actual memories. Mm -hmm. But whatever, so he transfers those to white vision and then white vision now okay original body well not original but the body of vision memories of vision i guess he doesn't have the feelings of vision the man flies away for whatever reason doesn't come back obviously setting things up for the future which i don't know the thing that i don't like about that which connects with i think your point of nothing really happens Mm -hmm. is that at the end, Scarlet Witch says goodbye to the kids and then says goodbye to Hex Vision. And this is the third time that we've seen yeah. my man get killed right in front of Wanda. And they try to make it emotional again, saying, like, look, you're my hope. You're my this and that. But mostly you're my love. Which, mm-hmm. that didn't work for me, but I'm sure other people that was that dialogue was beautiful for them uh i thought it was a cool shot though when she was holding his face and then he gets torn out by the hex and then she's left in the real world with her hand still up by where his face would have been i thought that was interesting but so they say goodbye Mm. for the third time oh well i'll tell you what dialogue did i that i did think was cool was he was like oh i'm this isn't the first time we say goodbye, so stands the reason we'll say hello again. I was like, that's good. But that doesn't change the fact that, yes, you're really going to try to make another Vision Wanda encounter with White Vision. And I'm sure, I mean, maybe, but surely that's also going to end poorly with one of them dying. So I don't know how many times Marvel can get away with doing this division. I don't know how many times the audience is going to find it interesting. 
So mm-hmm. that was a, a choice that for me was really weak in the finale, was seeing yet again, okay, we spent this time with these characters, Wanda and Vision, finally getting to develop them in an interesting way, seeing all this happen as an expression of Wanda's guilt, or not guilt, but grief. But then it ends with a real version of Vision, or at least another version of Vision, Mm -hmm. out in the world somewhere for her to encounter. So what was the point then? If the arc here is Wanda goes through grief, and she finally accepts that at the least she can't inflict hurt on other people in order to prevent the hurt of grief for herself, and so she needs to say goodbye to Vision and the kids, that's a nice arc. But then there's a white vision out there. So what was it all for? Yeah. Another thing is like Wanda goes through this whole experience of this cool cathartic experience of kidnapping a town and holding everybody hostage and then just living out a life and just trying to learn from it and getting to a point where she can, uh, to an extent, let vision go and like come to a certain terms with his death. I would, I wouldn't say it was a great terms with his death, but a certain sad, like, certain being okay with it in a certain way and at the end acceptance at least yeah like some form of acceptance and she never really faces any consequences for her actions of kidnapping a town like no new consequences because the closest you can think of is that now she's alienated from all the heroes now but she already like like alienated from the world but she kind of was because the events of civil war like she was in the civil war, she's a war criminal now. She's hunted by the government and has to go into hiding. Infinity War happens, she's disintegrated. Five years pass, she's reintegrated. Three weeks go by and then WandaVision happens. So she has no new consequences. She never really has like a moment of like she has that one moment where the people are all surrounding her and she's freaking out and then she puts them back into sleep. But she never has like this moment where she kind of either just faces what she's done. She walks past them at the end and they all just kind of stare at her and are mad and she just leaves. But there's never a moment of like, I did something bad. There's no moment where she like in like in House of M where she delves deeper into her madness. And there's no moment where she... I don't know. It just didn't seem like there were enough consequences to her actions. Like, there was nothing bad happening. To counter that. Yes. Right. To play devil's advocate. Of course. I will say, yes. Um, We'll see. That was the pun, though, because devil and it's a whole devil spawn. Mephisto, Uh which never came up. But anywho. um, (laughs) So, there was a moment, right? Well, at least, I mean, you understand. Like, Wanda understands the ramifications of what she did through that the walk of shame Mm -hmm. um so like she personally knows like yes i was wrong and these all these people hate me and then monica says to her they'll never know what you gave up for them and wanda's like it wouldn't change how they see me which true yes they probably will forever hate you for doing that uh and rightfully so so i think yeah, it was strange that there were no actual consequences. But like she doesn't even 
she might care a little bit, but she still did not seem overly overtly like sympathetic to their to them being mad at her. She's just like, you'll never forgive me. Let's just leave. And so she really still just has no consequence. Like nothing bad happened to her as a result of her actions. And there were negative actions. Like she had a uh, maybe a negative experience in the hex, but at the end of it came out probably a better person, probably more uh, or less griefful person. There's less grief in her. Now she's looking for her kids or something who will become real somehow. So uh, right. That you're she had a bad experience. That one post credit scene. Yeah. Again, that's another thing that with the whole thing. Can you hear me? Yeah, the whole thing with the MCU is they're supposed to show us something and then create a full story and then want us crave more. Is that's like the whole idea? Is that this huge movie and now TV series that are being made? You're supposed to watch something and then get excited for the next thing that's going to come out while also telling a full story, which is hard to do. Because you want to wrap everything up, but then you also want to want them want more. You want to still leave some threads out. And I don't think the threads that they left out from WandaVision really got me that excited. Nothing got me very pumped to see more MCU. Like, Phase 4 is not fully set up. Like, when you watch Avengers and you get this whole full story, and at the end you see Thanos, you're like, okay. It's going to pick up. It's going to go. Something new is going to happen the next time. We'll get more information the next time. Maybe we'll see more Infinity Stones. Maybe we'll see more of Thanos. This is what this is like. There's no big. I, I can't tell what the next big through line is going to be because they're not setting up enough stuff that will get me more interested in. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think so. There's certainly. Right, I mean, like you said, there are threads that they throw out there with White Vision, with her reading the Darkhold in the post credit scene, and then you hear what's supposed to be the twins crying out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, the other post credit scene with Monica, which is setting up Captain Marvel 2, because she's going to go, I don't know, go and see her friend Samuel L. Jackson. So they're setting up that or Secret Invasion, because I think they're making a Secret Invasion TV show with Sam Jackson and uh, the guy who plays Talos, Ben Mendelsohn. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, one of those two things is getting set up. I'd imagine probably Captain Marvel 2 first, yeah. since they did, throughout the series they mentioned, something went down. Monica mm-hmm. is not happy with Captain Marvel. But I think... That, like, I don't know, I agree with you there that they didn't do enough work setting up what's supposed to happen next with the multiverse. Mm-hmm. Like, now you understand, okay, so Wanda's super powerful and she's reading the Dark Hole, so she's getting even more powerful. And you're setting up that the twins are crying out. So maybe she goes through another spell of trying to get these people back and tears the fabric of reality, and that's the multiverse. Mm-hmm. Um, which, if you were going to go that route, I don't know why, again, you wouldn't lean more into that here. I mean, is that going to be like the post credit scene for Spider-Man No Way Home? I have no idea. Because how else would they factor that in? Um, and I feel that would be contradictory to the 
actual arc she went through. Again, like you said, this whole cathartic experience of learning how to properly process grief. And she lets go of her kids and lets mm-hmm. go of vision. And then now she's going to, what, throw all that aside to get these kids back at the cost of destroying the whole multiverse. And now it's not a town yeah. that she enslaves, but now it's the whole universe that she's tearing apart. That to me mm-hmm. seems like it's going to go against this character growth that we saw, which I'd be fine with if they leaned even more into her not being very remorseful for it or her doing literally everything she could to hold on to the hex and hold on to the kids and vision and someone like Monica or someone else, like they have to force her to stop. So I just don't mm-hmm. know how they're going to navigate introducing the multiverse elements because i think she is supposed to be a big part of doctor strange 2 yeah and you would expect her to be sort of in that villain role um which maybe not but i think that would be the more compelling way to do it but it seems like they did all this this whole series was showing her getting out of the thought process that would that we would expect her to be in if she's gonna Mm -hmm tear the multiverse and really lean into the Scarlet Rich role. So, Mm -hmm. I don't know. That was just another missed opportunity that I feel like they had. And then, again, if they... (laughs) The Ralph Boner thing, which is so... God, so stupid. You were so excited that they had Evan Peters come in. It was... That was the height of the show was watching an episode and just thinking it was a normal episode and then maybe I would learn more. And then there's the knock at the door. I'm like, oh, here comes the special cameo. And then you see this over here and they're like, oh, they brought back Aaron Taylor Johnson. That's super cool. That's that's like a really cool thing. Like crazy. He's alive. And then it's Evan Peters. And it just blew my mind. It was so funny. It was so unexpected. That was because that was me saying, okay, this show can do anything like they have the potential to do anything, and I will believe them, and I will be on board. They can throw in Mephisto. They can throw in Nightmare. They can just bring in X-Men into this universe, throw out the whole multiverse, and bring in all the characters. And that was like that was the beginning of all the fan theories. Everyone was like, okay, if you're going to bring in Evan Peters from the X-Men universe, you can do anything you want. Like They can do whatever they want. And they didn't... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just wasted potential. Because we would have believed it's not like it's not even a matter of believability. There's, it's not like they're like we couldn't find a way to logic X Men into this universe or even anything like that. They they have the rights now to the X Men characters. They have the ability to introduce them. They have the ability to reboot them, which is what I think they're doing. And and they tease us like this, and then it ends in a boner joke, which is just the most disappointing feeling ever. It's just horrible. And disrespectful. <laughs> disrespectful. Just, ah, uh, so upset. It makes me concerned for Spider-Man Far From Home. Or Spider-Man No Way Home. Because they, they said that Alfred Molina and Jamie Foxx are going to be in it. But they haven't really said what roles they're going to play, right? So they could just be random right. people. They could just be random people. They could be. They could which have just been be cast in the movie. So annoying. Which would be the worst thing ever. Yeah, that that's what be, I thought. Would that's why I was so excited for WandaVision, because I thought I was going to set up the whole multiverse thing, 
that it was going to be a multiverse trilogy. That's what people thought it was going to be WandaVision, Spider-Man, and Doctor Strange. And that the multiverse was going to be tied up at that point. And we just have new characters in our universe now. And now anything is possible in the worst way possible. Like they could do anything now and be like, well, we didn't say that was going to happen. You know, we didn't say Evan Peters was actually Quicksilver. He's just Ralph Boner who has a necklace that somehow makes him super quick. Which is insane. They never really explain it. I'm assuming it's just magic from Agatha and the necklace that controls his mind and somehow makes him fast. Again, logic that is not fully explained or completely well done. So that kind of sucks. And now we have the idea that everything that we thought that they've been setting up has just been torn down and it could be anything in the worst way possible. Like we thought we were going to be getting a multiverse. We may not be. There, the whole thing, we could get to Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, and there may not be a multiverse at all. It could be like uh, uh, like a, a dream or, or a, a, uh, like a mirage or something. Like, like it could be anything. There could just be no multiverse. We have no idea. I feel like they're still going to lean in that direction because now Scarlet Witch has the Darkhold. And maybe they're just playing the, the long game and maybe we'll get, you know, like, in like a post credit scene for maybe the Eternals or something. No, which one comes out first? Shang-Chi? Shang-Chi. Maybe we'll... Oh, they both come out before Spider-Man. Maybe we'll get like a post credit scene in either Shang-Chi or uh, Eternals that shows her opening the multiverse. But that's something I would definitely have rather seen in the WandaVision show than a post credit scene. And I feel like if they're going to exactly. throw that in to Spider-Man, like maybe in the beginning to set up the story, I feel like that's going to detract from the story itself. It would have been better to set that up beforehand and then just have it happen in the middle of Spider-Man. So I don't know. Either way, if somehow we yeah, do get the multiverse, it's either going to be rushed or not done well at this point, which is unfortunate. Yeah, I think they can still pull it off, but I'm struggling to see how. Because yes, you would think if this is supposed to be the first entry in that multiverse, saga you think they would have actually done something with the multiverse and they wouldn't even have had to do anything explicit if they just would have kept evan peters like let us still believe that he was playing the x-men version of quicksilver and now they're in our reality and somehow when the hex goes away he's still there that would have been so compelling and interesting and then all those fan theories can continue to happen about oh what's happened with the multiverse how to get ripped open is it gonna like how is it gonna continue to show up that just would have been so much more interesting and satisfying than the stupid ralph boner joke which wasn't even funny that was the sad part didn't even laugh how dare no. Wasted so, potential. yeah that was that was definitely the low point was seeing that part but overall Let's do a sort of your final thoughts on the series as a whole. Um, it went up and down. Like it was going up a lot, and then the peak of it going up was Evan Peters showing up. That was just the top tier that WandaVision could hit. That was the best episode. I thought it was a good episode in general, but even before Evan Peters showed up, and just throwing him in there was such a curveball that I thought it was fantastic. I thought they were setting up a lot again. Looking back now, I know I'm just going to be disappointed if I watch it again, so I probably won't watch it again. 
maybe that one episode because it's just done so well <laughs> up until that point um and then it just kind of goes downhill from there i like the episode the second to last episode where it's just uh agatha and wanda walking through her memories i think that's cool but the filler episodes between evan peter showing up and them walking through her memories were a little bit well filler except maybe the halloween episode had a lot of cool moments i love malcolm in the middle so all those references were very fun <laughs> uh but it just felt a lot like just kind of continuing to try and push the story along without like telling us anything new until the finale when they tell us everything and it's not what we expect like it's like it's like right. putting us on the edge of our seats and then when they get to the point where where we're, they're going to tell us everything there's just nothing to tell and that just kind of sucks but it was gotcha. it was fine. Yeah, for me. Dang, that is sad though, because you were when you were telling me about it, I was like, yeah, I haven't seen it yet. You were just coming off that high of the fifth episode thing. You're like, it's so good, you won't want to want to stop. I was, I was sad ecstatic. I was so excited. The possibilities. Just talking about it with Spencer the same day after we watched it, the possibilities were endless. We were like, maybe they're gonna bring in X Men. Maybe they're going to do something. It's just the hospitals were endless. It's like maybe it's Mephisto instead of Evan Peters. Maybe it's a Mirage. Maybe it's some, this, maybe it's that. We just bounced off each other. It was just the hospitals were endless. And then just to end in a boner joke was just so sad. Truly. So, yeah, for me, right, without having all those other expectations attached from the week to week, fan theories that were coming out i still feel like it's it's rough knowing that there's certainly a potential that wandavision just chose not to reach like with the route bonding thing they knew what they were doing they knew they were setting that up and that that would spawn a whole bunch of fan theories there um and then they just chose not to do it which is frustrating so that part definitely works against wandavision but for me, the the highlights of the series, and there were a lot of highlights, um, it was enjoyable. Again, I don't know if I'd go back to rewatch it, but it was fun going through it this first time, getting to have them all back-to-back and getting a lot of those answers more quickly mm-hmm. instead of having to sit around and let them faster into those fan theories that ended up being better than the real thing. But I like that we were able to get real development for these characters because mm-hmm. i mean wanda and vision have never been my particular favorites i don't think they were yeah we just know nothing anyone's about. yeah they were always just important sort of characters but side characters in these other yeah major films so i like that we were able to get some real depth to them i like it was episode five right that evan peter showed up in yeah yeah i also really liked that episode because it featured the argument between vision and wanda when he was starting to piece together yeah the false reality cool. of westview that, that's um, the best episode is the one where you, evan peter shows up arguably yeah, i agree i agree because i really liked it seeing that part is where i was sort of thinking oh they're gonna have this develop where it's really just gonna end up wanda's gonna be the villain of it and vision's mm-hmm. gonna have to be the one to break out of everything like that would have been interesting i think and mm-hmm. also could have set up 
more of her path to the dark side where she's really an evil Scarlet Witch and tears open the multiverse because um, it's Vision that had to force her hand to stop the uh, the Hex. Mm-hmm. It didn't end up going down the route, but I still thought this episode was really interesting to see him and her fighting about He's like, oh, you got to stop, number one, lying to me about this, and you got to let these people go. And you see her finally consciously, because I don't know if in the very beginning she was entirely aware of what she was doing, because I think it was it started out as this unconscious expression mm-hmm. of her grief where she put herself yeah. in the you know, domestic, idyllic mm-hmm. life. Um, but now we know, like she knows. She is certainly being, choosing to be villainous in this way and i thought it was just really interesting to see that um i also liked darcy coming back i'm a cat dennings fan yeah apparently that is a controversial take for two broke girls you're a fan yeah it's a not a great (laughs) joke but it was (laughs) it was a fun little guilty pleasure um so i liked her i liked having her back they absolutely, justice for Kat Dennings, they threw her away in the finale. She was in one shot. And then in the post credit scene, they were like, oh, she just left. She's like, oh, I don't like the cleanup, which I don't understand what happened to where in between the shooting dates that she just had to leave or something. But I have no idea. I would think they had to do because I know they had been working on it up until they had shot a bunch of different scenes and they wanted to include a bunch more like they wanted to do a scene where monica the kids wanda and ralph boner run into the basement and they find senior scratchy and they find out he's a he's a demon but they and they like shot the scene but because of covid they couldn't finish the cgi so the, the scene was just scrapped and so we didn't get to see senior scratchy as a demon which sucks. Dang, another letdown. Um, but well, first of all, I, I feel like CGI would have been the one thing that they could have done in COVID times. Uh, it's harder to do when you're not in like an office working together. You're at your home with whatever technology you have at the house. If you like, if you watched anything recently, the CGI has been pretty off. Like the series finale was bad. Uh, Wonder Woman had really bad CGI at points. <laughs> Everything's been very much off. Because it's just harder to do at home with your home computer. It's harder to focus. Uh, it's harder to just collaborate when you're miles apart, as opposed to sitting next to each other right. in an office. It's just probably more difficult uh, work environment. Yeah, I guess it's harder. Um, so one, couple other highlights: the rune thing in the final battle where they were up in the sky and mm-hmm. Wanda was tossing those the i don't know her witch powers toward agatha and then some of them miss and they're Mm -hmm. putting runes on the sides of the hexes on the yeah different sides of the hex i thought that was super cool um that was a nice little setup they did from that previous episode i like to get it was a simple setup i mean it was but it was still satisfying like you have to give it that i mean come on don't tell me you weren't like that was pretty good i mean I wouldn't say it was pretty good. It just felt the natural course that it would go. It just felt like there was no surprise. Like, oh my god, she used the runes. I can't believe it. it. Just felt like that was the natural progression of things. Like they set it up in the 
episode before she learns there's payoff. It just seems very simple writing. I mean, fair. Which I, didn't I, mean, I guess I should be used to it. It can be simple and still work. Well, I mean, it worked. I just don't know how well yeah. it worked, you know? Also, how did well, she learn how to cast a rune? That we don't ask questions about. <laughs> but yeah, for there's me, not the logic it, in the show has never been airtight. Yeah, that is certainly the case. Um, but that part for me, I was like, that was nice. Getting to see the fallout of the snap when Maria first came back no, that was in the cool. hospital. I thought that was really interesting. I just want to see mm-hmm. more stories exploring the immediate aftermath and how people are trying to adjust after a cataclysmic five-year absence of half the population. Yeah, because in so, Far From Home, they played it off really co- like comedically. And I was like, mm-hmm. I guess so. And then in WandaVision, you see it's really horrifying. You know, right. all these people just spawn back. Loved ones have died since then. Um, I'm sure plenty of people have remarried. Just all kinds of drama that could ensue. Very, It's very interesting. Right. So, yeah, I thought that was really cool. Hopefully we'll get to see more of that in future MCU things. I'm not sure how much that will happen, though. But that, to me, was a positive. And ultimately, I liked the the core theme of grief even though i think they're gonna end up in the future mcu projects reversing that growth wanda had but i Mm. liked the complexity of us sympathizing with wanda in her grief because they really show in that flashback episode i mean every important person in this chick's life dead just yeah but it really all the time really hammered in the point it would have really hammered the point as if in the finale she truly can't handle the grief and really just goes insane and Vision has to pull her back. That would really hammer it in. Because in, in the finale, she really just kind of recovers herself and just kind of comes back from it on her own and just accepts it right. on her own time. Which, I mean, I mean, I guess that works to an extent. It's just that if we got a chance to just see her go completely bonkers, <laughs> just with no... With no pretense of like a hex going on where she's controlling people like just truly going insane and just fo- feeling her grief that would have been interesting i agree that would have been a nice touch and again it would have helped further that point of okay now we know that she really can go off the deep end mm-hmm. uh, and that she's incapable of bringing herself back so and it, like the way future. they set it up i would have 100 percent believed it with the episode prior like of the things that she went through that they showed us back to back to back, I would have a hundred believed, like a hundred percent believed it if she just went totally insane in her grief and just snapped and like went even farther down the rabbit hole. Like they set it up to be perfectly that kind of thing, and then they just showed us her entire grief after the fact of her what they considered her snapping, and then just kind of resolved it the next episode. Right. Which is okay. So yeah, that. So in context of just the series, I still think, right, it was a good arc. But based on what I believe they're going to do with her character in the future, and having her lean into more of the villainous Scarlet Witch role, or at least just antagonistic towards Doctor Strange and trying to keep the multiverse ripped apart, that'll undercut 
the arc she had here, but I still liked it within this actual series. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, what would you, if we're going to do what out of five, what would you give it out of five? How many possible versions of Vision's death out of five? Three and a half. Three and a half? That's not bad. Three and I would half. also probably give it three and a half. For you, though, I mean, that's pretty generous based on all the I mean, I've been pretty harsh on it, but the highs that I experienced watching one of it were pretty high. Evan Peters showing up, pretty high. The first few episodes where they were just on a TV show, I had a good time. I was having fun. Learning little bit by bit, watching it week by week. The whole idea, like, even though I was let down, watching it week by week and then going online to look at all the fan theories, it was super fun. It was super entertaining. But even though I got let down, I still had a good time up until that point. It's about the journey, not the destination. I. Wow. Beautiful. Beautiful touch. That being right. said, I Any didn't other... like that much. <laughs> oh, so, so three and a half. Well, three and a half. part of the journey, part of the journey is the end. And if the end I, wasn't I great, guess. you gotta dock it that half a star. So three and a half. Yep. Anyway, any final thoughts from you? No, I think that again, all I said there felt like there were a lot of highs, didn't have as deep of the lows because of the fan theories. So mm-hmm. three and a half I think is a solid I feel like, I don't know, that seems like a very um, accurate description of the series. It was quality in certain ways. I liked the premise of them going through each decade of the sitcoms. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then getting more at the depth of the characters. That was fun. So, yeah, ultimately, it was an enjoyable experience. And I'm glad that it was around. Are you going to... Be watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier, though. Does this affect your excitement level for that? Um, I was never super excited for Falcon and the Winter Soldier just because my expectations aren't high. I think it'll be fun action, like uh, like Winter Soldier, like uh, Captain America's Winter Soldier. Like I think it'll just be fun. I think we'll have a good time. I'm not expecting, I'm not expecting a lot to be set up in terms of Marvel. I'm not expecting a lot of. Uh, big cameos or anything. I'm just expecting a cool story with Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan just doing cool action scenes. That's all I expect. And so if I get that, I'll be satisfied. So I'm going to watch it. Gotcha. Are you going to watch it, So right? making sure you go in with low expectations. For me, I really don't know. I think like WandaVision was always going to be a need to watch, even if mm-hmm. the premise wasn't as interesting as I thought it was then I would have done it just because I feel like it would have been important for No Way Home and for the Multiverse of Madness. I don't see how Falcon and the Winter Soldier can connect to anything important in the MCU, so I don't think it's a necessary watch. And on the totem pole of characters I care about, Falcon and the Winter Soldier are not very high. So I don't know. I'll have to see. Maybe you can convince me if it ends up being good, but... I'll let you know exactly how it is. If it's if it's exactly what I think it's gonna be, and it's just fun action for an hour a week with little uh, overall MCU plot development and just fun action and maybe some cool scenes, 
I think you might want to watch it just for the cool scenes, but you, if it's that, I'll let you know. You can just skip it. But if something if something crazy happens and we're it's they're actually doing something cool, I'll let you know. Gotcha. Well, we will be seeing that come March nineteenth, I believe it is. So True. very quickly coming up. And last but not least, always, always. Always, I think I read somewhere today that starting next week we're going to get some kind of MCU content once a week until the end of the year, with all the once shows and movies they're until doing. The end yeah, of it's the like year. once That's a week. That's crazy. Something is going to come out once a week. Apparently, is I read that somewhere, and that includes uh, Loki, Hawkeye, um, Falcon, Winter Soldier, uh, the four movies that are coming out, and then a couple of like Marvel Legends shows or something, something like that. But apparently we're getting Marvel MCU content, Marvel content once a week. But moving on to our final topic of discussion is the movie of the week, which is All That Jazz. All That Jazz came out in 1979, and it was directed by Bob Fosse, who was a famous choreographer who choreographed the original Chicago and things like that. It's starring Roy Scheider, Jessica Lange, and Ryan King, and Ben Vereen. Uh... Essentially, the movie is Bob Fosse is telling his story, his life story. He's like the last. It came out in 1979 is pretty much showing uh, like 1970, like 1977 and 1978 around that time period of his life. And he's, he's created this fictional character called Joe Gideon. That's essentially him. And it's a lot like um, Federico Fellini made a movie called Eight and a Half. And it's just basically this sort of brutally honest autobiographical film that has like these surrealist dream sequences and so he's just trying to show how he interprets himself and his own life through this movie and there's dance scenes there's uh it's, it's a musical so there's dancing there's singing and uh it's just really beautiful it's spencer's favorite movie like just of all time he sees it all the time i've seen it a bunch of times because of him it's one of my favorites uh one of these days we'll do a uh, director's analysis on Bob Fosse, and we'll talk about Cabaret and all that jazz, which should be fun. But it's just a great movie. The end is incredibly memorable. Uh, just a really For good time. Sure. Are you gonna have you seen it, Ryan? Yeah, I saw it twice. Here's how you know well, I mean, compared to what y'all and Spencer have seen, but Spencer lent me the his DVD of it, and I watched it, and I was like, okay, cool. The next night. I started watching it again, which is something I never do. Watching never anything watch back again. to back, rewatching something over again right away. I also rarely never do that. I did that once. I remember we were watching, you came over to my house and we watched the Battle of Winterfell episode of Game of Thrones mm-hmm. season eight. And then you all left and I watched an episode of Barry had come out that night. What during or like right after, and I watched that, and then I stopped, and then I immediately watched it again because it was just so good. It was just much better than the Battle of Winterfell, and it just made me so much happier to watch. But yeah, I thought if, you were gonna start you... by saying you watched that episode of Game of Thrones again, and I was like, no, I no, that'd but be terrible. The very one that makes sense. No, yeah, that'd be terrible. But this, to hear that you watched all that jazz back to back, that is. I mean, it's a memorable movie. You must have liked it. Maybe you missed a few things. Is that what happened? It is. Not necessarily. I just wanted to watch it again. I thought it was enjoyable. The ending sequence, of course, is 
I mean, that's no, it's incredible. Top three sequences of film. I think it's just beautiful. Burned into my brain forever. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna watch this again. And that is the biggest testament to the quality of this film. Because again, that is something I never do. Absolutely incredible. And we'll have Spencer on here one day to do a director analysis of Bob Fosse and to hear him talk about all that jazz is it's like poetry. He just loves that <laughs> movie so much. It'll just be a one hour monologue of Spencer expressing his love. All right. Well, that's all the time we have. If you would like to give your thoughts on the show or make a suggestion for the movie of the week, you can email us at the box office show at gmail.com. Our main title theme for the show is Sundown by Joseph McDade. This has been the box office show. Be sure to tune in next week. We have shows every Wednesday. Have a great rest of your day. And remember, what is grief but love persevering? That is is a decent line. I like that line. (laughs) It got a decent. That's good. We got one.